Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. We're into Breaking Bad season two. Uh, we're officially into it now, second episode, and so um, things are, are kicking off. And we're here with uh, episode two, Grill. Um, so this episode first came out on uh, 20th of December 2009. Um, it was directed by Charles Hay. That will be a, a familiar name to um, long-term listeners of the Oz Network. And written by Vince Gilligan and George Mastras, which is a name we're starting to get quite familiar with as we go along. Um, so uh, my name's Nick, and I'm going to try and get this quite right. I am growing tumescent with anticipation. See, I had that as one of mine, and I thought you might use it. So I'm going to go with, my name is Ben, and hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> we're starting to get some quotes. I think we talked off air that, um, you know, we're waiting on a couple of characters to appear on the show who will probably give us lots of quotable lines because uh, sometimes they can be a little bit hard to find here, um, but occasionally we've got a Jesse or a Tuco or somebody that will spit out a few, or Hank, of course, will spit out some some fun lines for us. But uh, great episode here. Uh, Grilled, this, this, the second episode, and potentially maybe supposed to be a season finale, which we've probably talked about so so many times people are sick of hearing about it now. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 a, um, I guess, kind of a bit of a climactic episode in some ways. Um, but, yeah, I think probably just before we kick off anything else, we, uh, we, we kind of want to talk about that director, which we just named, so Charles Hayde was uh, is, is obviously got Nip Tuck connections and I believe Third Watch connections too. But uh, he was Reefer for those that will remember that episode of of Nip Tuck, and also um, I believe he um, he directed a few episodes right as well. So um, he did well, well think, known to us here. Yeah, I think he directed several before he appeared on the show from memory. Um, and yeah, for Third Watch fans, he was uh, Captain Finney in season six, who kind of was like the big bad almost of, of, of season six. So um, he's definitely one of these people that sort of pops up randomly um, out of sort of places there. So uh, didn't realize that he directed Breaking Bad. So uh, good for them. And I, I don't know if he directs more. Um, I'm guessing he might do. Uh, we can sort of look into that. But um, yeah, this is a this is a great episode. Um, it feels very odd that this is second episode of a season. Like it just, this this really does feel like it should be a, a premiere episode or a finale or mm. like a mid-season finale or, or something like it's, but I mean, I, I guess that, I mean, the strength of this show that you can have an episode like this, like, I mean, what people say is the greatest episode of, of Breaking Bad is, isn't it like the, the third last episode or, or like, or is that the mid-season finale or the mid-season premiere? I don't even think it's any of those. I think it's like, yeah, the third or fourth last episode, it's in a random place. It's not one of these ones you would expect. But um, I did get excited. I was saying to you off air that um, there's a, a famous burger chain in Australia called Grilled. So I was thinking that maybe we were sponsored this week and we could get some burgers, but uh, sadly not. But uh, yeah. no, this is a great well, episode. I, well, I think... Yeah, and I think it's one of those ones, you know, we kind of, I, I like to use my, my fabulous book that I keep talking about around um, Breaking Bad and episode titles. And this one's, you know, multiple, multiple reasons for this one. It's obviously there is a, there is literally, you know, something being grilled on a grill in this episode, um, but also Tuco's grill in his mouth. Um, and um, they're also suggesting that Hank gives Jesse's mother a grilling, but I think that's maybe a bit of a stretch. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, I guess it's, it's, it's clever enough. It, it works well enough. But but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really fun episode to kind of get into. Um, lots of cool stuff happens on this one, um, and you know, kind of closes a few things out and opens up a few other things. So I say we get into it, and um, kind of starts with this this kind of cold open of the. 
the bouncing car, which is obviously Jesse's car. So we kind of just see the bouncing car and we get some kind of close-ups on certain certain things and we hear certain things and you now we kind of see bullets on the ground, um, you know, and, and you know, we kind of, you know, the, the, stat, the sounds kind of start before you see anything else, which I think is quite cool. And we talked last week about music not being a, a, as big of a thing on the show as maybe sound effects and things like that as well. Um, and, you know, kind of get that gradual reveal of, of um of the number plate and obviously being um jesse's car so obviously something big has happened but we we don't know what yet and this is a pretty common feature of breaking bad is give us a kind of something something that's going to happen and then we cut back to the start of the episode and it builds up to that thing happening so um yeah I, it's a it's a great grabber i think just kind of really kind of sets you up that hey that something something big is going to happen this episode i think the other thing too is we kind of get a few little images here that kind of make us realize that we're out in the middle of nowhere as well you know it's kind of the kind of desert shots and things like that so that you know it kind of gives you a feel of place as well and there's and then there's a body you kind of just see like legs uh which i don't think i've ever noticed before that you do actually see a, a, a body like kind of the undershot of the car when it's bouncing you kind of just get a real glimmer right, of like right, you right. see legs and then even sort of the long shot right at the very end before we get to the the credits i'm looking at it right now you sort of see the legs and yeah I think it's kind of like you just see jeans. So, like, again, you're seeing Jesse's car, like, holy fuck, like, is, is, is this Jesse? But um, I do, yeah, like, the thing I like about kind of this is just, and, like, from a creative point of view, I could imagine that, you know, Charles Hayde and just anyone who's filming this, like, would just the fun nature of this no doubt after they've they've set this set up with the bullets and everything that we're going to get at the end of the episode and just kind of this, this shot of just, like, bullet shells and broken glass and, Again, that sound effect, you just hear that. Like, eh, 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 and like, I think also too, like you've got this shot of like a rattle with like a caterpillar on it and just things like that. Actually, that reminded me very much of like the opening credits of uh, Better Call Soul, how you've always got like a shot of like something on Better Call Soul. Like this is, and the way it's kind of filmed. But um, again, it's just intriguing. Like it's like, as you said, like you kind of, something's happened. Uh, there's a body, it's Jesse's car. It's, there's bullet casings. Like, oh, what, what's going on here? So um mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and really cool. And I think probably as well for, you know, kind of um, super fans of the show, and I don't know how many there were, you know, season two, episode two, but but obviously there was kind of that famous story that Jesse was going to be killed off at the end of episode, um, sorry, season one. Um, and so now maybe it's kind of like, okay, here's Jesse's car, here's a body, you know, is this the moment where Jesse's going to get killed off? So I think if you're watching this in real time, it probably would have been um, a real grabber. And I think these things always feel, you know, like, um, less impactful over time when you get the full story but you know it must have been really cool to see this in, in real time so yeah absolutely kind of just gets us in on what this episode's going to be about and um, yeah we go through the credits and then we get like just a really fun scene with Hank I think um, kind of you know um, doing the briefing with his team about that they're on the hunt for Tuco links to Crazy 8 and we've kind of got this you know the kind of um, pin board with the different photos and um, you know and, and I think we kind of you know we get those past um, and, pr- and and we get a few future references as well i think to um you know some some other characters as well which is which is cool um and and you know i think um that's really cool you know like we're kind of starting to to put the pieces together slightly um and you know and hank has this where he makes that comment about having photos on the website which is yeah. we talked about last episode you know and he's pumping up his staff getting them really excited to go out and find tuco and um and that's really exciting and and then you know walks out with with gomi and, and says no we're never going to find this guy uh <laughs> and and you know i really like that i think it's just funny and then kind of says he's going to take some time off because walt's missing um so yeah it's kind of you know great scene to get us started but also kind of sets up that you know walt's missing and that's going to be a big part of this episode what I really like about this episode, and I again, I would love to read reviews at the time and certain people's opinions, but I mean, it's really like a two-half episode where, I mean, I guess if you would just look at this from an episode perspective, all the, the stuff that we're amazed about really happens in the second half, right? Like Walt's missing and he's technically missing from this episode for so long, right? And mm. But like, I'm I'm still never bored with any of it because like, again, I don't know if that's just a memory thing because I, I, I remember what happens or, you know, something like that, but it's it's kind of just interesting that you're kind of just getting this regular stuff before getting to that. And it's, it's rare that you have that from a show where you've literally ended on a massive cliffhanger, you know, like they're being kidnapped essentially. And you're not going to basically revisit, visit these guys where they are for like halfway mm. through the episode. But um, yeah, I love, 
just Hank, God, I mean, we talked about him last season. Like, I'm just loving him even more and more. Like, I just... I just love this scene when it's kind of just like a coach pumping up his team mm. and it's kind of like, we're going to find this guy? Yeah, yeah. What, what the hell was that? I, I didn't hear you. Let's try that again. Are we going to find this guy? And they're like, yeah, are we going to find this guy? Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, come on. And then he just walks out the door and he's just like, yeah, we're never going to find him. That'll keep him entertained for a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just love it. <laughs> yeah, he's just good fairly way. Like, he's just really funny. And yeah, like kind of that. I was talking about kind of future references. We're obviously getting stuff about the, the Salamanca crime syndicate, crime family, or whatever you know, and um, you know comments about the cousin and 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 things like that, which are cousins, um, which which is cool, you know. So which, um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a bad Tasmanian for never having uh, brought up the Salamanca reference uh, at all. Uh, as a, as a proud Hobartian, Nicholas uh, Salamanca, of course, is a very prominent district of Hobart. It is a no, no. I think a, you have mentioned this before. Did I? Well, I'm yeah, going to mention it so. again. <laughs> if you're in Hobart, go to Salamanca. Uh, yeah, one of the most it's famous the markets, markets, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. well, I have. See, I can't even remember what I talk about on this show. But yeah, the, <laughs> I think it's it's the biggest outdoor market in Australia, or it's right. one of the most famous. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, go along to it. But uh, yeah, nice little district. If you're out on a Saturday night, all the the sort of the, the bars you want to go to and hoity-toity little restaurants, very expensive, right on the waterfront. But uh, yeah, God, I see. I can't even remember Nick. When did we did the first episode, we're out of t- tune here. With look, I think some some stories are worth repeating, right? So uh, we'll, we'll let you off. Next on time that I'm one. there, I'll take a photo and I'll send it to you. And I'll go, oh, look, Salamanca. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we kind of then move on, and Hanks kind of turns up at, at well. Walt's house and um, kind of, you know, investigates the car looking for things and doesn't really find anything, but he does sniff the car, which I thought was quite, was the impulsory, which I thought was quite interesting to kind of, I, I guess the reference I thought there was that he smells meth maybe, you know, like he's mm. smelling those familiar smells and, um, you know, he doesn't really think much of it because as we've talked about before, you know, Walt's so under the radar that he can get away with things. But um, I, that's kind of what I thought the reference was to there. Kind of go inside and, and you know, Jesse and, oh, sorry, um, Walt Jr. and, and Skylar are with this this cop doing a, a missing persons report um, and the cop's asking lots of questions and they kind of flinch a little bit about a question about depression. Um, and, you know, and Skylar's kind of getting a bit ad- agitated um, which you know anybody would in this situation. Um, so so yeah, I don't kind of blame her for that. Um, and then kind of um, Hank and this cop kind of have a, a private conversation and talk about the second cell phone. So that's you know obviously Skylar's talked about getting in a phone call that they ran and didn't get any information. And and then Hank privately tells this cop that you know there's a second cell phone involved, which is why she doesn't know about it. Um, so yeah, so I think that that's that's kind of that setup for these these kind of um, this what this side of the family is going to be doing is kind of um, looking for what you know that's going to be the the main part of the episode for them. Which again, similar thing that I mentioned last week about sort of something that feels a bit out of place, but again, I just feel like I'm nitpicking for nitpicking's sake. Like, are you really going to file a missing person person's report like this quickly after? Again, I get it's sick and I get it, you know, that sort of stuff. But mm. Skylar's been complaining about how he just kind of disappears out of nowhere and she doesn't know where. So, like, I mean, is this really out of the blue for him at this moment? I guess maybe just the the strangeness with which he's gone and, and I guess the car being still there is probably uh, the, the unusual factors there. But I think it's kind of one of those things too of like, I think there's got to be a certain amount of time, right, before you're actually even allowed to file a missing persons report. Or is that just something that you see on movies no, that actually you can? I, I do actually, um, when I was, gosh, I don't know, 10 or something like that, my sister actually ran away uh, and, you know, sort of went away for a couple of days. Everything was fine. We found her. But, like, um, you know, yeah, obviously you go to the police. Parents were worried and everything. And I remember them sort of talking about how they would have to wait a certain amount of time before they would go to the media and be like, yeah. you know, have you seen this person? Uh, and, like, she, you know, just ran away up to Launceston or something like that. Like, she was found, like, two days later. So I think kind of if it, it got to a certain point, then they were like, yeah, we can we can go to the media and sort of put a photo on the news and stuff mm. like that. So... She just, I would she just went to Snug, but nobody wanted to go to Snug to look, to look for yeah. her, right? <laughs> no, no, no one's <laughs> ever got lost in Snug, basically. But, um, yeah, so um, I, I would I would assume that. But that's just the one thing that I kind of question. But, again, this is TV. You've got to have something there. But, um, yeah, like, I, I again, I can't fault Anna Gunn here kind of going off at this cop, kind of, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I do like Hank when he's... Um, He's like digging to get into the car and the keys under the wheel nut. Like, 
I got confused there for a second. I thought that was something prominent also that we're going to learn in this show that they put under the wheel hub at some point. I was thinking, mm. like, this is very early for this. I didn't realize they were doing this already, but um, weird place to keep your spare key, but sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never quite understood that. Um, as somebody who's very, like, don't leave things like keys lying around type of person, I always find that a bit strange, but, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, I love this, you know, talking about the second cell phone and then what kind of, you know, immediately transitions into the shot of Tuco destroying the cell phones, yeah. you know, so kind of like throwing them in the desert, which is, is quite cool. And um, then we just kind of get the setup of um, where Walt and Jesse are, that, you know, like Walt kind of is, you know, waking up and hallucinating that Skylar's there and it's actually it's actually Tuco kind of dragging him out of the boot of the car um, and they're at this kind of um, house in the middle of nowhere um, and he tells him to get inside at gunpoint um, and, and then we kind of cut back to the family. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a nice little transition scene really to set up where these guys are. Um, yeah. I don't... Another great shirt by Tuco as well, we should mention. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the I, snake I know skin we... shirt. Yeah. No, again, I, I, you talking last week about the doghouse shirt. I, I kind of want to get the uh, the Tuco Salamanca <laughs> line. Um, you mentioned, I think we did talk a little bit about Raymond Cruz last season, but I mean, he's amazing in this episode, just yeah, like yeah. so many levels of everything. Um, and yeah, I, I remember when we did Nip Tuck and kind of we pointed out who this guy was. I mean, he's a very subdued character in Nip Tuck, like almost completely different here. He's, he's basically the, the, the guy like him's henchman. He's basically the gonzo. Uh, to to um, what's his face? Why do I keep forgetting his name? God, he's like the the, the greatest villain on Nip Tuck, essentially. Um, yes. But he's so good in this episode and just everything around it, and like just so believable. And I mean, Raymond Cruz basically plays almost the same type of character and everything he's in. He's something you know, some sort of Latino drug dealer or something. But um, yeah, I mean, he's so good. I I know they have guest Emmy sort of, you know, best guests in a in a TV show, uh, Emmy nominations. And I'm I'm baffled that Raymond Cruz did not get some sort of nomination. I mean, I, usually those categories are always sort of dominated by big A-list name people, you know, like if, if Brian Cranston appears in an episode of Friends, he's going to get nominated for, you know, that. that's just generally what happens. But, um, yeah, so surprised that he did not get nominated even for, a, you know, based on acting alone. But, yeah. Well, I think, too, like, it's easy to forget that kind of Tuco as a character is, like, really important setup for why um, Gus is, is such an appealing option for Walt later on because Gus, after Tuco, seems like this kind of, you know, sane, calm businessman. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, like, you know, in comparison to Tuco, this is this seems like such a good deal for Walt because, you know, we've got somebody that's normal. And I think you kind of need the Tuco character in order to make, um, you know, Gus feel, you know, like a, a good option, I guess. So um, he serves a really functional purpose as well as being a great actor. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's great. And it's you know, a real, this is a real kind of, um, you know, a great episode for him to kind of show off his abilities too as an actor. So, Which yeah. Which really last good. episode. Like, it's, it, this yeah, is exactly. what we were saying yeah. about when we yeah. first saw him. He's a four episode guy and arguably one of the most memorable big bads. I mean, I would say the second most memorable big bad of, of Breaking Bad um, and leaves an impact kind of with, you know, a certain person we're going to meet in just a few seconds. But, um, yeah, like, gosh, like, you just you remember him. Even he's, like, you know, a few appearances in Better Call Saul, like, straight away, like, boom. Like, I mean, again, he's in the yeah. premiere episode of Better Call Saul, isn't he? So you just Well, it's you like a real him. pop moment, too, of, like, you know, when you're watching that first episode of Better Call Saul and, and um and he, and, and Tuco arrives. You're like, oh my god, it's Tuco. You know, like it's that real moment of um, and that's one of the beauties of doing a prequel, right? Is you can bring these characters back and 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 have another shot with them. So yeah, it's it's cool. Um, yeah. So we we then kind of move into this this montage of of um the family handing out these missing posters. I love this missing poster too because this is another one that I feel like I've seen in like online t-shirt shops of like just get the missing Walter White. Um, I think I've seen it in person. person, Nick. I actually honestly believe I have seen somebody like, I don't know if it was in Hobart or somewhere else, but I legitimately feel this was a thing. And I don't know if it was just a viral thing that people on the internet agreed, like, let's print this out and put it around the world. But like, I swear I've seen this like on a street pole in real life. Cause like, this is a yeah. famous poster. Like this is something yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. put out. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a real, it's a real cool image, you know, like it's, you know, you wouldn't think a missing poster would, you know, missing person's poster would be this kind of, you know, great image, but it actually is. It's a really, a really cool image. It's kind of, you can imagine it being wrapped around like a coffee mug or something like that, you know, like it just kind of has that feel to it. So yeah, 
yeah, it's it's really cool. And we kind of um, the the music choice here, the Red Moon by the Walkman. I've never heard of the Walkman before, but I do like the the song that they're using here. I think it's really good. I prefer um, the Discman. <laughs> yeah, the iPod, the iPods, they'll be they'll be next. Now yeah. that now that iPods are, uh, are no longer a thing, um, yeah, and, and you know, so it's quite good because you kind of get this kind of moment between um, Skylar and Marie of of kind of you know they're they're back on good goodish terms, I suppose, because they've got a you know a shared desire to find Walt, and, and Skylar tries to bring up the whole Tiara thing, but um, uh, sorry, Marie tries to bring it up, sorry, and and Skylar cuts her off and says we're not talking about this, and yeah, and and then this this little this little scene kind of ends with with Walter Junior printing off these more posters, and you get that kind of close up on the on the diaper box as he kind of leaves the room um, with the kind of money poking out the top. Yeah, I, I'm just one thing I'm just looking at here is is the missing poster, and um, so they've got an address on there. So I don't know if that's the real life address of the residence where they filmed it, um, but they also have a phone number on there. Now, I always find it very unique on a TV show or movie when you obviously have a, an actual phone number, like it's not a five five five. This is a, a legit mm. phone number, which would be very intriguing to see what they did with that. Because I mean, speaking of twenty four, download now on the Oz Network. It was very famously what they did on that show. Whenever they would mention a real phone number on 24, it was actually a fan line. So you could actually ring that line. And at certain points of the day, certain acts, like there was one time you rang it, Keith Sutherland answered and would talk to you for a minute and then kind of hang up. And like they, they would do that. Like so people after a couple of seasons cotton on to this. And, you know, it would only be for like a 24-hour period after the episode aired or something like that. Like Keith Sutherland's just sitting on this phone all the time going, yes, I'm Jack Bauer. Yes, this happened in the episode. So I wonder if if like because again there are always people who are watching these shows going oh that's a real phone number i'm gonna ring it mm. um so i don't know if there's ever something about that like you know was that sort of a, a fan thing or something but um it's, it's like interesting you show like a, um, a a credit card and people try and use it to buy stuff online yeah, yeah exactly exactly but um yeah i, I kind of i like the little montage i like you know sort of uh you know walt jr wanting to I'm jumping ahead there, aren't I? Uh, well, he's he's going to go out and put more posters up. I'm jumping ahead, but no, yeah, the um, the the dry and tidy, uh, and kind of like uh, they're, they're using a lot of ink uh, currently. <laughs> like, as somebody who used to print stuff all the time and knows how expensive uh, printer cartridges are, like you kind of got to a point where it was cheaper to go to Office Works or like the library to do it because you know it, it worked yeah. out cheaper and it was better quality. I used to, uh, you know, people turn turn around and say like, oh. When you steal office supplies, that's bad at work. I used to just print stuff at work because I was like, <laughs> do this for free. And I don't have to pay for it. Um, yeah, like all my old um, former bosses. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's one of those things too, that I guess maybe dates the show a little bit now. I mean, people would still put posters up, don't get me wrong, but a lot of this would be done on Facebook now, wouldn't it? Like it would just be, mm. you know, make this viral, like share this thing around. I, you know, they come across my Facebook thing occasionally of like somebody shared something of a missing person. So um, I feel like it's, you know, a little bit of a time capsule of you know this is when we still put posters up so yeah it's, it's interesting in that respect i suppose yeah no and um yeah i mean marie the tiara like i guess you have to have this line in there because again you know we sort of made a prominent thing last week about them not talking but yeah i don't really care i'm gonna be honest <laughs> like like again this isn't me not liking marie and all that sort of stuff i mentioned last week i liked more for the hank stuff but i think this is me coming from that part where it frustrates me that everybody hates on skylar when to me Marie is the much more annoying of these two. So and like I don't dislike her. I just don't see the prominence of her just doing this. Although having said that, I kind of like her attitude in the next scene when when that when we have her talking about like, you know, brings up the second phone and things like that. So again, I don't yeah. dislike yeah. her. I just find her more annoying than Skylar. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's one of those things too. If anybody's like, well, the thing I like about Breaking Bad is the Marie storyline. Like, <laughs> if that person exists, I'm really interested to talk to them because Betsy I, Brandt's parents. Well, yeah, apart from apart from the obvious there, but yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, we go into this kind of quite big um, scene, I suppose, where we're back with Tuco and, and at the house, and and we're introduced to Hector. So this is a, a big moment where we're introduced to somebody who's a pretty major character, not just in Breaking Bad, but also in Better Call Saul as well. So um, yeah. You know, we've, we've got this guy up up for the first time and um yeah really big character involved in some really big moments on this show um and i guess in his breaking bad and iteration he 
pretty much doesn't talk except in some flashbacks i think um so so yeah i think it's a really great performance by this actor who actually doesn't have any specific lines as such on the show for the most part and um you know that bell is obviously a um you know just one of those kind of iconic um props or or pieces of the show um and we'll talk lots more about that as we go along it might not seem like a huge amount now but even next episode it's going to start to become a big thing so um it's really cool and and you know so so hector's there um and um you know we kind of we kind of i don't think we actually get the who he is for for a little while we just get this kind of menacing old man in a wheelchair to start with as, as tuka kind of um you know gives gives walt and jesse water and makes them empty their pockets and you obviously that's where we get kind of the close-up on the rice and um and um you know tuka going through their wallets and laughs at jesse having a condom in his wallet which is you know funny little moment um and then tuka kind of asks walt if he can trust him and then talks about the dea rated as house last night and and that's where you kind of discover he doesn't know gonzo's actually dead he thinks gonzo snitched on him um and that's where he's kind of you know gone pretty crazy and um and and, and yeah he kind of he kind of loses the plot here a little bit and you know, he's kind of messing around with this rice and packet so you know this is something that's that's going to come up um pretty soon um and yeah and then kind of tuko talks about he wants to set up a super lab in mexico that he's got contacts in mexico that can help him do it and you know obviously that's something walt doesn't want to do because he's got family and um and yeah and then jesse tries to get tuko to take this rice and by talking about it being this great new you know drug and he needs to try and they've been working it up which is what that was their plan the whole time as well you know um and um but he obviously screws up because he says it, you know, lies and says it's got chili powder in it. And Tuco find out hates chili powder. Um, and I guess probably the other important thing there is that he talks about the cousins are on their way and the cousins are going to become um, an important part of the show later on as well. So um, there's a lot going on in the scene, lots of kind of little setups for later on in the show, but also kind of explaining a little bit of why Tuco is behaving even more erratically than he normally does. I, yeah, I for one was thinking that we, I'm like, we don't see the cousins this early, do we? So I was kind of like, yeah, again, one of these kind of things that I, um, yeah. I guess, forgot. But uh, one little scene that I forgot I really liked kind of when they get marched into the house earlier on. I like it when, like, Tuco just shoves Jesse down for the sake of it, just kind of pushes him to the ground and kind of just, like, he's having fun teasing him. Um, Mark Magolis is the name of this actor who... Um, we did when we did the Thomas Crown affair a couple of years ago. He was in that, and I know, yeah, he was in Ace Ventura, the first one. He's um, I think he's like Ace Ventura's neighbor, who uh, his landlord, who kind of like makes fun of him or tells him like, "There's no animals, Ventura." Like if you if you're an Ace Ventura fan, <laughs> um, apparently was a bartender in a Madonna film clip. So there you go, just for those playing at home. But um, yeah, like I mean, a prominent guy. He was in Black Swan. There you go, Natalie Portman's. Academy Award winning role. Um, he's one of these guys that you just see in a lot of things and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I would assume that Breaking Bad is probably almost what he's known for now um, the most. But uh, yeah, he will obviously be very prominent, could be in one of our top 10 scenes at the end of uh, this whole show, which I will be a huge advocate for it being very high on that list. But um, yeah, I mean, I kind of like, I sort of mentioned last episode about how this whole like, sort of slow setup to realize why Tuco's here is that like you're thinking that you know he's killed Gonzo and he's just lost it but then yeah you find out basically no the DEA raided him I mean we found that out obviously at the beginning of this episode when Hank was talking about it so it's kind of this whole like paranoia that Walt and Jesse have isn't really how it played out as such like it's it's played out to a point but not to what they thought it was he wasn't actually going to be coming after them um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love this whole sequence, like when he's sort of going through their wallets and discovers that his name's not Heisenberg, says he's, mm. you know, sees a family. I do like, yeah, the bit when he's going through the, the condoms in the wallet with Jesse. I love it when Walt and Jesse fight over the water and just like Walt just grabs it straight <laughs> from Jesse as if to say like, no. But yeah, I also like, I love the moment when like Tuco grabs Walt and he's like, can I trust you? And then... Yeah, just it's it's just all so well done, so acted. And again, this old guy in a wheelchair, you're like, who is this guy? Like, what's happening? You know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, and is this the the whole sequence where Walt basically says to Jesse, like, why don't you go and pop him in the back of the head? Or is that later on when he grabs the uh, the fly swat and he's like, pop him in the back of the head? What do you you know think of it? That's later, but um, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, but oh, it's it's great. And also, just to say, his shirt, he's kind of got like some bling around his neck. They kind of look like testicles, like like diamond testicles. I think they're boxing gloves, maybe. I don't know. Oh, but, uh, okay. I hadn't actually yeah. noticed. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. They're, they're interesting. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Oh, bling. yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think it's just there's a lot of information being dropped, and I think one of the things that um, Breaking Bad does really well is you know these these directors and writers and uh, you know they, they get a lot of information across, um, like you know things that are quite a lot of exposition and information scenes, and they're still like really captivating and interesting, you know. So um, it is one of those things of this is a really big scene, you know, in terms of time. Like uh, there's a lot of, but you're never bored. Like you're actually the opposite like you're just really hooked into trying to find out what's going on here and um you know you're worried for these guys so yeah I, I, for me it just works on every level really I'll, I'll mention just one thing i was talking about how um it's it's surprising to me that raymond cruz doesn't get nominated for an outstanding guest actor in a tv show uh mark mcgolis did uh for not this season i believe in 2012 so i'm guessing that would be season four so um, for a guy that doesn't really say much, um, yeah, pretty decent that he got nominated. So uh, he did not win. And if I can get this up, uh, no, nope, it's not going to load for me quick enough, but uh, maybe I shall try and find out who he lost to uh, for for guest actor perhaps here, Nick, because I know we're all we're on the edge of our seats, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, while you're doing that, I can talk through the next scene and, and then we can bring it up when, when you found that after that. But because uh, the next scene's kind of just, um, you know, we're back at the, at the Walt, well, the white residence. Um, and, um, you know, um, Walter Jr. wants to go and put more posters up. Um, and, you know, basically this is where the information gets dropped about the second cell phone. Um, and, you know, that Walt has a secret of some kind. Um, so immediately they start to assume it's an affair and then they start to turn to it, maybe being about drugs. So this kind of links us in with, with um, you know, Hank's going to then go and have a conversation with, with Jesse's parents because obviously the, the initial discussion around Walt and drugs and was, was, you know, they were thinking it was around cannabis and, and Jesse being his dealer. So that feels like a natural thing for, for Hank to do. So before we kind of talk about that scene i'll let you if you've got any thoughts on this and, and maybe update us with what you found well um yes i i shall update you so uh he lost to ooh, a lost actor but not for lost uh <laughs> jeremy davies um uh who i'm forgetting his character's name in lost um he won it for a tv show called justified which i have never heard of before in my life uh, in Lost, of course, he played Faraday. Thank you very much, Ben. That's the name. Uh, was also nominated against Ben Feldman for Mad Men, Dylan Baker for The Good Wife, Jason Ritter for Parenthood, and Michael J. Fox for The Good Wife. There you go. Um, but, yeah, this is, like, I like the Marie, just Marie putting a foot in it here. I kind of just like, <laughs> just what about the second phone? And, um, yeah, sort of the, the drugs and the marijuana and kind of, <laughs> getting addicted to it and all that sort of stuff. But, like, um, what, what's the line that Hank says about something like, oh, you know, you're, you're grasping at straws or something like that, and they're just like, well, grasp away. What else do we have? Like, you know, and, I mean, it's 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 fair enough. Like, I will question how Hank finds the location at the end. Uh, I don't know if that's explained next week. But, um, yeah, like, it's kind of, it does obviously set him down a path, which is ultimately going to lead to him somehow being there at the end. Yeah, yeah. And so I think this is just like that, you know, that kind of little adjoining scene and and then we have this this uh, you know again another like you know information heavy um exchange here where Hank goes and talks to Jesse's mother but um I you know I think this is a a really good scene where he kind of talks and says that he's looking for his his brother-in-law like he's honest like he's he is telling why he's there um you know from his perspective which I think is really good he's not trying to pull something over on them he's like I think he's got something to do with your son is there any information you can give me and um, basically all she kind of talks about is the cars Jesse's car is going to be the the kind of connection obviously which we're going to get towards the end of the episode and yeah yeah you're right I think we'll probably just have to step through how he finds out about the location of is that. Is it explained? I it? don't think it is, um, and I'm ready to be corrected as I usually am the minute I see it on on the screen the next episode. But um, I, yeah, I, I I don't recall seeing that. I'm just trying to think of where that potentially might have come from, but I, I I can't remember off the top of my head. 
Yeah, no, I haven't watched ahead to next week. It's probably going to be in the opening scene, right? Like this is him explains how he found it. But sorry to all the the diehards out there who are yelling at us right now. But um, yeah, it's just again jumping ahead, knowing that there. But um, no, again, we mentioned last season about Jesse's parents, and uh, obviously I mentioned that I know they're in El Camino. But um, yeah, I I, I feel like they make sporadic appearances every now and then. But got to say, love Jesse's mum's hat. One of those overly large straw sun hat things that I'm sure we all have known someone who's worn one of them. Right. So I've, I've, uh, I've just done a quick little Google search, which is basically how does Hank find Jesse's car? And it says Hank was able to locate Jesse's car through the LoJack GPS anti-theft system built into the hydraulic system he had installed in the car. Tuco strong armed Jesse at gunpoint and made Jesse drive his own car to snatch up Walt. So I'd be interested to see if that's actually in the show or if this is something that's just been... Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I don't remember seeing that, but, um, yeah, I mean... it satisfies me, I suppose. It's not so, one so, of those so if you, if you get a low jack, you automatically attract? Is that what they're trying to say? Is this just like a hidden cop thing or is this something that you're aware of? Like, that seems a bit like, oh, anyone with a low jack is automatically going to be a criminal. Like, I guess it's probably that thing of, like, Jesse's put it in there so this car doesn't get stolen, but that kind of seems like a bit of a dumb thing um, to do. Um, yeah, if he's Like if a he's find my drugs, phone thing on your app, on your phone. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think it's interesting, but yeah, it, it, it maybe not entirely well explained, but kind of gets us from point A to point B well enough, I suppose. And and yeah, we, we, we are going to see Jesse's parents again in a couple of episodes' time. Um, but yeah, we, we don't get heaps of them. It's it, Yeah, it was something I criticised in that, that episode in season one where they were there, and I kind of felt like it maybe it was something they were going to try and build up was that these would be kind of bigger characters than maybe they actually are. And now look, I'm, I'm quite happy with what we get here and, and I'm quite happy for them to be used as narrative devices from time to time. That's, that's, that's fine from my perspective. You know, I don't need everybody to have an absolutely filled in backstory. What we've got about Jesse is enough and being able to come back to these parents as and when it's, it kind of works for the show is fine by me. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't really have as much against it last season when we had them i didn't mind it kind of i sort of said that i liked kind of having the the backstory to them i think it's sometimes important to kind of fill it in a little bit I, I feel like while they might sort of get away with never really showing walt's um family uh like he's in his mom and dad sort of what his mum's mentioned a few times jesse's obviously a bit younger so you kind of want to get a bit more of that whereas you know walt's got a uh you know a, a wife and a kid so it's kind of not as prominent that you need to know about his parents so yeah i have no problem with it Mm. So yeah, then we kind of we're we're back to um back to the Tuco story and and basically Tuco's got his back turned to these guys, which is never a smart idea. And he's and he's cooking, um and um basically Nodos and Gonzo come up on the news and um you know they're trying to figure out that, um so Walt and Jesse are trying to figure out exactly how with it kind of Hector is and they're kind of like doing the snap in his face and that kind of thing just trying to figure out how much he is actually because you know like from their perspective he's just this guy who's got a bit of a dazed expression in a wheelchair with you know oxygen hooked up to him so it's a little bit hard to tell kind of you know kind of how how with it this guy actually is and and could he be a problem for their plans because um then they're gonna you know try and they pick up the rice and they need to, they need to get Tuco to take it, so they're going to kind of put it on his meal is, is kind of what they're planning on doing. Um, and and yeah, so kind of like we have this whole thing of like Tuco cooks this meal and he, he sits them all down and kind of while he's going and getting hectic, they kind of you know open up his burrito and kind of chuck it on the burrito and um, and, and and yeah, but then Hector's obviously seen that and um, so he they managed to, you know, there's a switch happens there and he kind of um, throws it all over the floor and um, that kind of sets Tuco off again. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's kind of getting pretty crazy here between the, there's, it's, it's, there's a lot of information. So I feel like I want to stop and let you talk about it instead of me just talking about it nonstop. Well, the one thing I want to say is how does Tuco not see that he's, because like he's literally closing the burrito up at the same time Hector sees it. And like, yeah. I think you kind of see Tuco's head slightly turned to the TV, but um yeah, that's the one bit I'll think. I do love it when he flicks the channel. I, I, I don't know what um, Spanish language TV is like in New Mexico, <laughs> but, I mean, we've got random guy playing a guitar. Um, <laughs> looks like riveting television. Um, I also do like the fact that, um, you know, no matter how they film this on this old school TV, you've got that flickering, which used to always happen when you would film another TV. Like, it's kind of like, 
you can't really avoid yeah. that, I guess, which, I mean, you know, it takes it away a little bit, but, I mean, you know, you, you've got to understand it. But, yeah, this is that bit where Jesse's like, you should jump him. And, like, he picks up the uh, the fly swat. And then I just, I kind of like Jesse when he's like, you've got the big C, you should sacrifice yourself. Like, you're going to be dead anyway. <laughs> like, And, look, I'll be honest with you, like, if I'm Jesse, I'm saying the same thing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like I mean, fair point. You've actually got a fair point there, Jesse. Um. But yeah, I, I kind of like this scene. Like, and you, you you get the bell for the first time, don't you? Kind yes, of like yeah, the, yeah. the ding. So, what is it like? One means yes, two means no. That we will yeah, eventually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I um, have to say, I have to say as well. I think the burritos look pretty good. I think um, oh, Chico's yeah. done a good job there. But it's um, I, I I know this is in Mexico. I know this is New Mexico, but it's obviously close to the border. I've I've been to Mexico. I've stayed in an Airbnb in Mexico City, and like it's kind of a certain style. Like I actually like where I stayed, like it was just kind of almost very like rustic and just very basic and just kind of a certain way that people lived. And it's kind of, it reminds you a lot of that. And I was so lucky the place I stayed at, um, I stayed with this woman and her mother and, uh, the, the mother did not speak a word of English. Um, but she was like this little old lady and every morning she would make me breakfast, which is not a thing. If you've ever stayed in an Airbnb, like they're not in, you know, you just generally walk into your room, stay there and leave. But like, she would make me like freaking like chicken burrito rice things, every, this is full on breakfast. And like, <laughs> just, I, she would sit there and watch me eat it. And of course, like, again, doesn't speak a word of English. So I've got my, like, my app and I'm like, oh, this is very delicious. And it's all like, you know, muchos. Yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah. just be like, si, muchos, gracias. Mm. And she'd be like, oh, and she's just like nodding at me. And I'm just like, and it was really, really good. I'm not a Mexican food fan, but got to say, eating Mexican food in Mexico is is pretty good. Like, well, I know, just, I, I know, yeah. I know. This isn't a, a cuisine podcast, but I think they're like, <laughs> I think a lot of people kind of, um, you know, just assume that Mexican is kind of just like burritos and and uh, yeah. nachos. But obviously, Mexican Mexican is actually quite a different type of food. Oh, you know? like it's, yeah, um, it was it was amazing. I got taken like yeah, the the woman, the the daughter, she like one night just walked me around the neighborhood and we went to some restaurant. Yeah. something that I would have never gone to had I not had someone there to speak Spanish. Yeah. And she just ordered all this stuff at the table and I'm just like, what's this? And she tell them, cool, I don't care. And then ate, it was delicious, like street vendors. Like I got this plate and it kind of had a burrito and they put some meat on it. It could have been dog for all I know. I don't know what it was, but like it was delicious. <laughs> um, and it was just like, like being with a local, because like I've been to countries where they say like, do not eat street food because you will get sick. That's where you yeah. get food poisoning from. But I'm with a local who's like eating it too. So I'm yeah, like, okay, yeah. well, yeah. I'm going to trust them. So yeah. it was it was a cult like, yeah, Mexico was the most culturally, you know, different place I've been to in my life because I'm, you know, naive Westerner thinking everyone's going to speak English and I'm going to be fine and uh, didn't know any Spanish and they didn't speak English. So that was a fun experience. Right. Well, that was a, a really interesting. You're um, welcome. I can tell by your reaction was... there that you were absolutely <laughs> enthralled. <laughs> so it, it actually it actually was quite interesting. Like I am I am quite interested in this stuff. Um, but I am I am nervous that we maybe list maybe losing a few listeners who probably are more interested in <laughs> in um, Tuco randomly shooting out a window than yes. um, destroying than, a cow. Than... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think probably uh, didn't quite do justice to the fact that obviously Tuco's about to eat this poison burrito, and um, and that's where Tuco, uh, sorry, Hector rings the bell. They swap it over, and then um, Hector manages to, you know, it looks like it's a real struggle, but he manages to kind of swipe the food off the thing, which um, upsets um, Tuco quite a bit. And you know, we kind of get Hector kind of slumped over on the table. And I love that kind of scene where like. Tuco pulls him back and there's that big drool kind of attached mm. to the table. That's quite, that's quite good, I think. Well, you know, like at this point, we're still not entirely sure what Hector's faculties are. And so I think it's quite fun to kind of play on that for the time being. And so, yeah, and then we just kind of like Tuco kind of going a bit crazy and, um, yeah, just kind of, you know, randomly starts shooting and then drags Jesse outside. And, and that's where Walt kind of tells him what the plan you know what the plan was and what he did and and, and this kind of moment of, of honesty um while jesse um picks up a rock and and um and you know smashes him in the head with it and then follows up by shooting him like kind of in the in the stomach abdomen i guess um mm. so shit so shit suddenly gotten real pretty fast yeah and like look i i want to obviously nominate this closing scene for a top five but i mean it's tricky because like you could almost have the final 10 minutes because like i i really like the bit when 
sort of Hector's just ding, 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 mm-hmm. ding, ding. And he's kind of like, what did he do to you? What did you do to him? But you'd probably then argue maybe you just have it from, you know, either the shootout or the moment when, I, although I think you kind of need Walt, like, going, we were going to poison you because it's kind of almost yeah. like the first time we really get Walt being almost like a say my name type of person. But mm-hmm. um, I, I like, I, I like, because again, going back to your point where you don't know how coherent this Hector guy is and kind of just the way he's dinging and he's like, pointing and then just like he's got this look on his face and just you know like it's just it's yeah it's really really good and i I like it how um is it earlier when walt kind of defends jesse when he's like don't kill him i need him like you know if we're going to mexico Mm, i mm. need also i also love that line i've got to mention too when like walt's like i've got a family i've got a you know i've got a wife and um just like (laughs) get a new one (laughs) (laughs) but um i mean the acting so apparently I, i was reading trivia here that um, during this scene when Raymond Cruz throws Aaron Paul outside, he actually knocked him out and gave oh, wow. Aaron Paul concussion when he throws wow. him through the door. So, like, apparently that's how much he got into it. It's kind of like learning that uh, Pierce Brosnan broke Femke Jansen's ribs in the spa scene when he pins her up <laughs> against the wall, and that was Femke Jansen. She was saying, like, no, just fucking do it for real. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, and like, but it's it's a tense scene. Like, God, it's it's because you're kind of like you're helpless here. What's going to happen? Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do love. Like, I mean, Aaron Paul's acting. He's everyone's acting. He's amazing. I shouldn't just single out Aaron Paul, but like, just him begging for his life. Like, I don't want to die. Kind of, you know. You talk about how. You know, Anna Gunn gets underrated. I realise Aaron Paul, you know, won an Emmy or two or whatever it was and got a lot of nominations for it. But I know it seems like this, that you just, you realise how amazing Aaron Paul is as an actor. Just like, just so believable and kind of like, we go back to that point last week where I said he's not really brave. And I mean, here he is like literally, you know, begging for his life. I don't want to die. You know what I mean? And I just, it's just something that I just really appreciate about Aaron Paul here. But then one of those things too of like, um, you know, and this, this is going to be something that, you know we'll get shades of later on as well of like you know what walt does the setup but jesse is actually the one that that kind of literally pulls the trigger and 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 has the you know does the dirty work of actually um well, not killing tuco but he you know he yeah. actually fires the shot and and you know puts him into mortal mortal danger here so and um, yeah. yeah and i think also jesse's always the whipping boy isn't he like jesse yeah. like yeah like he literally just it, it's, it's a bit of a trope that jesse's just going to get beaten up at some point or you know like i mean the whole ending of the series and kind of what leads to El, El Camino is basically around poor old Jesse just being the absolute whipping boy. So, um, yeah, but I don't, I don't like when they shove him in this ground thing and they're kind of like, let him bleed. Like what, why does Walt leave the gun in the car? Like when he, mm. I, when he jumps out, like, okay, we leave it for the TV fact that the fact that Tuco's got to have a gun, but like, yeah. I mean, like if you're all of a sudden running away and you're hiding, you should really be grabbing the, the automatic rifle there. Shouldn't you? Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I think probably it's one of those things of like the sh- the show's so good that you kind of you let these things go. But there definitely is there's more than I probably remembered of these kind of logic gaps. Um, mm. and yeah, again, it doesn't bother me, but it is one of those things of like, oh, okay, that didn't quite make sense. Um, and I think that you know we talked about Vince Gilligan planning this out a whole lot and um but I think kind of like has the logistics and the actual logical sequencing of things like this will improve as the show goes on I think you know we're st- this is still only the ninth episode of the show and so there, there is still things that maybe are not quite being worked out to their fullest but um yeah probably more than I remember here yeah. yeah and again like I sort of I sort of bring up you I don't know, like, I feel like you say, like, we excuse it more because this show, like, like, I mean, again, I think we talked about last year, about uh, last season, how it's like, there's going to be logic gaps. You, 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 there's no TV show that's 100%. But it's, again, it's a TV show. Like, at the end of the day, it's, it's no different to, you know, our Roots as a Survivor podcast. It's like, you know, not everyone's going to get an edit because they're not part of the yeah. narrative. So they don't, it, like, who cares? Like, at the end of the day, they're not part of the story, but they're still out there. They've got 101,000 things they could tell about what they were out in the show, but it's never going to be aired. It's, yeah. you know, it's sort of that way. But, I mean, it leads to, I mean, gosh, this epic shootout. This is our, yeah, yeah. It's our yeah. first shootout. Yeah I, uh, yeah, I think so. So obviously we get these guys now after they've shot Tuco and they just want to get the hell out of there. And, um, but they don't have the keys, you know, and um, so they're kind of racing around trying to find keys. And, um, you know, and this is where they see this kind of car approach and they kind of see the dust, you know, kind of um, coming from, from a car that's on its way. They obviously assume it's the cousins on their way, so they, they're kind of hiding. Um, Tuco crawls out of the hole and... and um, 
and you know and obviously the car pulls up and and it's hank you know hank's um you know apparently found jesse from ways that we've found out that weren't shown mm-hmm. on the show um and you know I, I quite like the way that kind of as as hank kind of pulls up he he kind of thinks it's jesse leaning up against the car because he can't see his face and then when tuco turns around he's like oh shit okay this is not quite what i thought it was going to be and I, I i do love that little bit of acting by dean norris he's kind of like oh, oh okay this is more than i was bargaining for um and i think that's really good so yeah great shootout i mean um it's one of those things i'm not entirely sure how to kind of break it down scene by scene i think that you can just yeah it's easy enough to just say this is you know kind of just a a really good shootout and um really really impressive and and um you know it it is one of those things too of like how on earth does tuka kind of miss hank with all the shots he's taking but then he has also been shot so he's probably not quite (laughs) quite as accurate as he might otherwise be but i like he's kind of like trying to grab that gun and that's when he kind of sets off the hydraulics which you know sets us up for that scene that we saw at the start of the episode um so that that's really cool so kind of yeah this these kind of setups, um, these shots going all around the place, and and um, obviously the you know the final shot that, that Hank's just a little bit quicker on the trigger and, and gets the headshot in on Tuco, and so um, that's it. Tuco's dead. Um, so this our kind of first first villain for the show, or our first kind of kingpin is is gone uh, and at the hands of Hank, which is probably not quite what we expected. Um, so yeah, I think this has got a kind of a really good kind of. I'm not a massive Western fan, but I do feel it. They they kind of nail it with this kind of Western feel of kind of the shootout that you'd you'd kind of expect i think you know it's not a genre that i'm really familiar with but i from my perspective i think that the shootout is is done really really well um you kind of get the kind of erratic behavior of 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 a tuco versus hank who's a little bit calmer and and obviously that's what wins him the day right is that he just has that time to just calmly take a shot while tuco's been a bit crazy so so yeah and and then obviously the, the the final scene is that you know kind of Walt and Jesse are watching from a distance and, and um, Walt realises who it is um, and they make a run for it, you know, and so so they're kind of off into the desert um, as they kind of see Hank from a distance and, um, you know, we hear the bell from Hector from inside and that kind of, that finishes our episode. So, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of, you're right, like the final last, 10 minutes of this episode is all kind of one great big scene and I don't think it's going to shock anybody that this is definitely going to be in our top five it's just where we kind of make the cut I guess um but yeah, yeah it's it, it's all really really fantastic stuff it's um it feels like a really um kind of satisfying end to this kind of mini story of Tuco really um and 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 I love the fact that actually it's not what will Jesse that that do the final job it's it's somebody else and um yeah, I, I just love it. It's, it's fantastic. It's, um, I would say for the top five, you would, yeah, cut it from when they get shoved outside the door. I mean, as much as I love the whole conversation with Hector, I think kind of that's where the action is and kind of you're really kind of, you know, tense and all that. But um, I think Tuco went to the, the Stormtrooper school of shooting, maybe. Um, yeah. Was that an episode of The Mandalorian where they had the two Stormtroopers sitting there and they basically make it out why they can't shoot? They're like blaming the guns or something like that because they're trying to shoot something. Like, uh, that was funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, God, this scene is, yeah, incredible. Again, top five, uh, just, and like Dean Norris, like I talk about the acting here, like I love that moment. Yeah. Dean Norris's reaction or Hank's reaction, but like there's that, the moment there when they're both reloading and kind of Mm. Tuco's trying to get his gun and kind of, they just got this shot of Hank and he's just staring, but he's like blinking and he's kind of just, he's so fixated on that. He's about to stand up and he's ready. He's got like one shot. And then it's like, bang, herd shot, and like, just down, like, wow, like, just, uh, yeah, epic shot. And I, I do love the way it ends with just the ding, ding, ding. And then even the way the ding fades into the music on the credits, it's kind of like got this warp, like, ding, and then it like goes into the music, like, it's really, really cool. But yeah, I mean, God, like, Jesse and Walt, like, you're yeah, doing a run, and it's Walt who does it first, isn't he? He's the one who kind of just like gets up and runs, and they're, they're going to be stuck in the desert, basically. But, um, yeah, I mean, so amazing. Like, uh, forgive the fact that, again, Walt left a gun in the car. I mean, again, put it back to just panicking and just not, you know, putting it there. I'm sure there's a valid reason behind it. It's it's like in all the in all the TV shows and movies when, you know, someone's being chased and whenever they've got the key and they're trying to unlock a door, they're always shaking and dropping the keys. Like, it's kind of like it's just a... It's a thing like that. But um, do we ever see Jesse's car again? Or is this the end of Jesse's car? Is this the captain gone for good? Um... Good question. I, I couldn't answer with um with with a whole lot of certainty around that. Um, 
yeah, I mean, um, it's. I, I feel like it's the the one of the less iconic cars in the show. I feel like, um, you know, the Pontiac Aztec and the RV and things like that are probably the ones that you you remember a little bit more. Um, but potentially it comes back. I, I just I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, maybe it's like towed next week. I'm looking here, so of course I'm breaking bad wiki. You have the page, the 1982 Chevrolet Monte Carlo. Isn't didn't when he's talking to. His mum, she says it's like an 87 or something like that. But, uh, yeah, no, the only appearance... This is the last appearance. Uh, it, it is last appearance is in Grilled. So, uh, rest in peace, the captain. It's gone. It's no more. <laughs> well, he does get another car because there is uh, my fantastic bookie. He gets a Toyota to sell, um, oh. which probably which sounds like a slightly less um, exotic car. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think Jesse's Jesse's going to have a few money problems, um, <laughs> which is something that we probably have glossed over a little bit on this episode. Is that obviously, um, you know, at the end of, of episode one, is that Jesse kind of grabs his bag full of, of cash um, from from under his um, his kitchen sink and and that's something that gets kind of left behind in the car um which is you know something that will get picked up on in episode three when we get there yeah no i i didn't even realize that um i i, I obviously wasn't paying that much attention to that but um yeah so uh i mean yeah i mean it, it definitely feels like it should be a finale or like the premiere of an ep- of a season like it's kind yeah. of again as i said like it's kind of odd that this is the second episode of a season uh, in what a yeah. 13 episode season as well it's not like this is a five episode season or something like that but um i mean it works like i mean god there's nothing to complain about it yeah i mean it, it is just one, and i think look, to be honest i think if, if you hadn't provided me with that little tidbit of information that you know that that's season one was supposed to be nine episodes i would have never probably have put it together but now that i know that i can't not see it anymore you know and it just feels so obvious to me that this was the finale this is this is what they're hoping for and it would have capped off the tuco story it makes no sense to have this kind of villain that you have for two episodes of the first season and then the first two episodes of the second like that doesn't really make any sense does it so it, 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 you know i i think i think that it, it, it functions really well as a as a finale but it, it, it's still a fantastic episode it's a really good oh, episode so yeah so so yeah and and you know i think that um season two if i've got any criticisms is that it does feel a little bit disjointed because it takes them a while to kind of get into kind of what they're doing and there is quite a bit of setup for season three and beyond i think as they get towards the end as well we'll, we'll get there when we get there i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but um yeah it does feel like it's an episode kind of uh, sorry a season that's kind of in sections um and so this is kind of like the end of the first section this is you know like we've got two episodes that's kind of the end of chapter one of season two of breaking bad if you know what i mean yeah, no, for sure, and it's um, it's interesting that it kind of feels that way when yeah, obviously we keep saying about how this season was so you know mapped out and everything. So um, you know, like it lost famously. I think the last few seasons were meant to be mapped out, and you know everyone complains about them. So um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, the watch that I know how controversial it is. So there you go. Yeah, it's not as bad as people say. Come on now. <laughs> Well, I think we probably talked everything through on this episode, so we can kind of move on to our rating. So I'll uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. Do, and again, well, I don't think we've got any. Oh, you got something else to add? Sorry. I was just going to quickly add, like we generally eulogise when I guess like a major character or someone right. dies, and that I mean, kind of like Tuco is not really a major character, but you sort of mentioned like our first big bad kind of dying. You know, I mean, I guess you know crazy eight sure but yeah but like the sort of that was right at the very beginning and i mean i guess we've said everything we, we both love this guy i think kind of he's, he leaves an impact on this show um he's only in it for four episodes which seems crazy uh and obviously better call soul is in a couple of episodes as well but um i mean yeah i i, I can definitely say he's not going to be my number one villain of all time in this show but um yeah he, he, he could very much be a number two i don't know but uh yeah and he's left an impact on this show by far like he even just the way he acts and everything. But, like, I mean, him in general and, you know, meeting Hector and all that sort of stuff, it's going to lead to a lot more. Because, like, there's a couple of little tidbits he says about, like, cartel connections and that down in Mexico and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a lot more to the Salamancas that we've got to learn yet. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think probably he's the, I think that's his legacy really is that he's the, the kind of in into the Salamanca family. Um, and so he's really important from that perspective. Um, like I think I, I was saying earlier, I think he's kind of a juxtaposition to Gus. And, uh, you know, and so I think from that perspective, it's kind of important that we kind of get this, you know, um, off the rails kind of drug kingpin to start with. Because I think if you'd had Gus first, it might not have worked particularly well. Um, so I think having this guy who's just a complete crazy, you know, nutcase um, is is really important for how this show is, is going to work. So I think he serves a really functional purpose. He's a fantastic actor. Um, you know, I think he's given us some amazing, like a great death scene. You know, we've already put one of his scenes in as a, as a top five from last season. Um, so, you know, I think he has delivered on on what he's been given with four episodes so yeah I, you know probably not when you look at the entirety of the season somebody that you're going to be like wow this is this whole show was was you know so about tuco you know because now he's gone but um you know I, I do think he for the time that we had with him i think pound for pound he's he's pretty good yeah no i i agree but yeah i think he's definitely going to be one of these people that you know, you'll remember at some point or another and when we get to the end of this season and a recap in like 11 episodes time you know we would have met meet met some you know very prominent people in this show but uh yeah you're still going to remember this guy uh definitely yeah for sure so how how are we going to rate this is it a buy rent or a bin from your perspective it is definitely a buy from my perspective nick <laughs> i don't think there is any doubt about that uh that's five in a row for me which i'm going to assume you're also going to be five in a row as well Yes, I will be as well. It's a definitely a buy for me. Um, a 9.3 on uh, on IMDb. So um, it's right up there with some of the best from, from season one, apparently. Um, and in terms of my own ranking, it, I've got it as number four. So I've got it behind um, Crazy Handful of Nothing, pilot and uh bags in the river and then so this is um this is obviously the, the highest rated for season two but that's not saying much because we've only got two episodes so far but i think it's a, a real highlight i think it's one that we're going to look back on when we do do our our season ranking and and yeah it's going to be one of the big episodes of the season i think um really good episode you know incredibly enjoyable brings in some new characters and closes out some old ones so i think it's got a bit a bit of everything that you want really in this episode um and i even think some of those b plots are, are are not too distracting i think that they're they're interesting enough to keep you um entertained without kind of you know being too much or too boring or whatever so yeah all in all it's a, it's a great episode from my perspective and definitely a buy yeah i um i mean i said that yeah it's kind of like an episode of two halves and even sort of the the slower stuff or whatever i think is fine like i'm never bored but um yeah i've, I've also got it at number four our rankings are very similar but um <laughs> yeah i've got it just behind cra crazy handful of nothing and yeah head of gray matter in at number four so um yeah just looking here on uh, the ringer they have it as the 25th best episode of all time and uh vulture have it as the 30th of all time so a lot of these See, are kind of very middle yeah that feels feels quite low to me so it'll be interesting to kind of come back at the end and see if that's kind of where it lands for us because as we keep saying this is a show that keeps getting better but this feels like quite a memorable episode to me you know like when i think of if i just cast my mind across you know what are the memorable moments from breaking bad like you know there's the tuco um pad gets blown up you know there's this you know it kind of feels like one of those markers um of the show kind of starting to intensify so i'm kind of surprised that it's a you know it's only at the bottom of a, a top 30 for some people so mm. but at the end of all this it could well be the same for us you know yeah i mean it's 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 just what on the cusp of the halfway point on ours after nine episodes so uh you know standard fare there really but um yeah i mean it, it's it is interesting always kind of look at these ones obviously you know that's their final list of all the 62 episodes we're obviously only you know it's not like you and i've sat down and ranked them all already you know we're kind of doing this live mm -hmm. as we go along so um, yeah, which can I just say is a lot easier on Breaking Bad than as we seem to have that problem over on 24 when it's basically when the episodes are literally called the time of the day. Yeah. You're kind of like, what? which one was 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. again? Like yeah. You, just, yeah. you always forget which hour was what episode. Yeah, it at least gives you a bit of a reference point, eh? So, yeah. Nip tuck. We had the names of the people. So yes, yeah. yes. So there's there's your key for for future episodes. For you know when we do um, 500 episodes of Friends, at least we've got the the one with such the and one such. with so, everything. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it'll, that'll be easy. Um, that was a joke. I'm, I'm still not not committed. No, I'll to talk it. you into it. Don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean. Um, 
we hope you've enjoyed this episode and, and appreciate any feedback you've got for us. Um, you know, um, make sure to be following us on um, on all the usual social media channels. I'm looking forward to coming back and, and talking about the next episode as well. I think um, for my money, the um, you know, bit by a dead bee, um, I think is maybe a little bit of an, uh, an underrated episode. So it'd be interesting to kind of talk that through and, and see what you think of that. But uh, in the meantime, make sure you're, you're following us in all the usual spaces. Um, and we look forward to coming back and talking with you soon. Um, but for now that's it from us so uh, my name's Nick and um, you're an insane degenerate piece of filth the one quote I can see in front of me here which I was going to use fuck it Nick my name is Ben and for stealing my quote you're an insane degenerate piece of filth and you deserve to die thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider and while you're there please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback you can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show as well as finding out how you can get involved in other upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.